0: to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi everybody, it is Wednesday night and that means we are right here with you for Friends and Fiction. We have an amazing evening ahead of us, so let's get started. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey.
1: And I'm Patty Callahan-Henry.
0: And this is Friends in Fiction, for New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Unfortunately, our fourth, Mary Kay Andrews, is not with us tonight, because despite being vaxxed and boosted, she has a mild case of COVID. She'll be okay, but just a reminder to stay safe out there. It seems to be spreading like wildfire again. I know you'll all join us in wishing Mary Kay a speedy recovery.
2: Absolutely. And she may even be tuning in tonight because we have a jam-packed episode and I know she hated to miss it. So over the next hour, we're going to be talking with three phenomenal writing teams, all of whom have had such different backgrounds and and are in very different places in their careers. First up, we'll have Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen. Then we'll be chatting with Allison Hammer and Brady Godfrey, who write together as Allie Brady. And then finally, we'll welcome back someone you might be familiar with, uh, Mary Alice Monroe and her writing partner, Angela May.
1: But first, even though Mary Kay isn't with us, she's always with us. But even though she's not on the screen, we want to raise a glass to her because Mm y'all, she just hit her fifth week on the New York Times bestseller list with The Home Homewreckers. Yay! This is such a huge deal and it means that you all have kept supporting her. So on her behalf, huge thanks to all of you. And speaking of The Homewreckers, just a quick reminder to join us over on the really cool new social platform, Fable, which is a book club app for social reading where we have our very own Friends and Fiction, Behind the Book, Book Club. And this month we're reading The Homewreckers together. And if you join, it means you have all these exclusive access things like behind the scenes stories, playlists, secrets, and so much more, plus discussion prompts and interaction with Mary Kay herself. You can share your reactions, thoughts, and favorite quotes with us and fellow readers as you read. And you can gain access to special resources you will not find anywhere else, even right here. So it's just $5 a month to join our premium club, or you can purchase an annual premium all access membership for $70 a year to join all of the other premium clubs on Fable, including LeVar Burton's book club. So visit fable.co, there's no M, Friends and Fiction, backslash Friends and Fiction, spelling out the word and to sign up today.
0: Okay. Can you guys hear me? I was having some microphone problems. You hear me now? Oh, you sound great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I've just had a crazy night. My uh, power went off. All right. I'm back. All right. How about (laughs) even more interaction with us when you can actually hear me? Because I won't be having mic problems. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you say? Well, this summer you will have two more chances to meet the Friends in Fiction 4 in person at a ticketed evening event at Bethany Beach Books in Delaware on Wednesday, July 20th, and also at a fabulous luncheon on Thursday, July 21st at the Rehoboth Beach Country Club in Delaware, hosted by independent bookstore, Browse About Books. You can find out more under the Featured tab on our Facebook page or by visiting browseaboutbooks.com or bethanybeachbooks.com. Both beach towns are just gorgeous. So it's a great excuse for a summer vacation too. We do want to remind you though, make sure to buy your tickets in advance if you think you can come because we expect both events to sell out. And we really, really, really want to get the chance to hang out with you. So we hope we will see you there. Mm, I can't wait. It's so soon. And don't forget, as you know, if you're a
2: Friends and Fiction watcher, we continue to encourage you to support your indie booksellers when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our own bookshop.org page where you can find Greer and Sarah's books, Allison and Brady's books, and Mary Alice and Angela's books, plus books by the four of us and our past guests all at a discount. And this not only supports independent bookstores, but it also helps us keep Friends and Fiction up and running.
1: So before we get going with our amazing episode tonight about writing teams, Christy had this great idea last week of a starting and ask us anything segment. And you all have so many awesome questions for us. And sometimes we get so busy talking about business and our guests that we miss talking to each other and y'all and answering the things you would like to have us do. So leave your questions on the Facebook page and we might ask it in a future show. But tonight's question comes from Angie Chennery. I'm sure that's Chennery, <laughs> And I think it's a perfect one because all of the four of us don't officially collaborate on books like our writing partners tonight. We're very much a team. So Angie asked and would love to know, you all talk about your writing sprints, but how much do you guys edit read, or inspire each other's stories mm. are you each other's beta readers? So question. real quick, Christy.
2: That's such a good question. Um, so I think we all have different answers to this question too, which I think is really interesting. I have not had any of the ladies beta read for me yet. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> 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 I have kind of, We. I think we all have really different processes. I am very much like, I write like kind of a, just a first draft. And then it goes straight to my editor. um, Like before I've even really like cleaned it up much. So um, I think they've all written me blurbs like at very early times. And actually in the wedding veil, um, Patty wrote, was reading like a really early draft for a blurb. And she caught this like timeline issue that I was like, oh my gosh, stop the presses. (laughs) 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 Ah! And it's so funny because you think like, how many people have read this book and how many times have I read it? Like at least 50 and, you know, never caught it. So, um, but I think more than that, like, we're just such a good support system for each other. I mean, I know the ladies are a really good support system for me. And like, um, they're, they're just in this job. They're not a lot of people that you can like kind of whine or vent about something like very specific and anyone really understands what you're saying. And, um, I could say something like very specific and they know exactly what I mean. And, um, That in and of itself is really great. And we ask each other a lot of questions, like little things, like, what do you think about this? Or would you have a character do this or this? Or um, what do you think about this name or this title? Or so, you know, they've all been very involved in um, the writing process. But so far, I've saved them the torture of being
0: beta readers. (laughs) (laughs) No, it would not be torture. It would be a pleasure. Come on. (laughs) How about you, um, Kristen? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Um, I, 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 writing is such a lonely profession. I think by nature, it's something you do alone, which I, which, um, is something that I am so interested to dig in tonight with our guests because they all do it together and we in yeah. a way do it together too. Yeah. Um, and I, I will tell you, I think it's very interesting that even when we're not involved in the very beginning stages of each other's books, I mean, we talk about things, but we don't necessarily talk about specifics or character names or, you know, minor plot points at the beginning. I think as we have grown closer as people, um, we have found overlap in the books that we're writing, but they overlap in places that we haven't talked about. So it's just like a mind meld that's (laughs) happening or something. I don't know. So Definitely. so yes, we are doing some of that co- like actual purposeful collaborating in terms of asking each other questions and you know, it, Patty was you Patty, you were one of the first readers of my twenty twenty three book, um, you know, because you and I are writing in the and the, I love the, it the so word. much. Let me well, say this: I feel the same about yours. Um, but there were several points of overlap. Overlap even in our books, like not at all, really the same, but enough points in common that like we were riding the same creative wave at the same yep. time. You know. <laughs>
1: And I think, um, and and the the nodal points were like the bookshop or you know things like that. But you know, Angie, you're asking if we edit or read, and and it's not as much about editing and reading, even though we have done some beta reading. And Mary Kay, remember, had she had us read her prologue to the Homewreckers this yeah. year because she'd never done a prologue before. So she had us read it and and give input into that. But we definitely inspire help when we get stuck. So, Angie, that is a fantastic question. So now let's welcome our first guest for the evening. Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen are the number one New York Times bestselling co-authors of The Wife Between Us, An Anonymous Girl, You Are Not Alone, and The Golden Couple which was just released earlier this year. Before becoming a novelist, Greer worked as vice president and senior editor at Simon & Schuster. Her writing has appeared, and all three of us right here are publishing with Simon & Schuster. Um, Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Publishers Weekly, Allure, and several other publications. Sarah began her career as a journalist covering Capitol Hill, her debut title, "The Opposite of Me," sold to Greer. Well, Greer <laughs> was Atria, an imprint of Simon and Schuster, which also happens to be the imprint my next book comes out with. So Atria would go on to publish Sarah's subsequent novels, which were sold all around the world to international bestsellers. Pair have teamed up to write their best-selling novels, which have all than option for film and television. And if they weren't such wonderful people, I would hate them. So Sean, <laughs> can you bring Sarah and Greer on, um, please? <laughs> oh,
3: <No>. please.
4: Hi. <laughs> I am for so that intro. happy
1: to see y'all. Um, I want you, we're gonna dig into writing as a pair, especially since one of you bought the other's book. I just, like as an author, I'm thinking, What editor have I ever worked with that I would write a book with? It's fascinating. But I want you to start by telling us about The Golden Couple, which is your latest. So I have an idea. Sarah, I want you to tell us what it is about. And then Greer, I want you to tell us what it is really about. Uh Uh, it's that's not. That's not
4: the way we <laughs> normally do this. <laughs> I know. Welcome to Friends in Fiction. I love it. I'm mixing it up. All right. So the Golden Couple is the story of a maverick therapist. She is so outside the box that she has actually had her license revoked, and wow. she has a method that really works for her. And basically, this is what it is. If you are a prospective client you walk into her office whatever problem you bring her it can be a childhood trauma it can be a infidelity in your marriage whatever it is she will evaluate you and quickly decide if she wants to take you on Ooh. if she does she will promise to fix you in 10 sessions but here's the catch you have to do whatever i mean when want. i
1: read her say that in the book i was like oh my god <laughs>
4: Ten sessions, right? And you've got to do whatever she says during those ten sessions. And so the golden couple begins with the golden couple strolling in. You know, they appear to have everything. They're like that couple that we all know on social media where they look beautiful and they never have dog hair on their clothes and they're never... You know, running <laughs> <I'm> like, looking <laughs> nothing, nothing like me. I don't. <laughs> um, we are a couple, right? They're very aspirational, and they stroll in, and immediately the wife confesses to an infidelity. Blindside. the husband, right. and from there it gets very twisty, turny, creepy fun.
1: It's awesome. That okay. is awesome. What is it? really about?
5: Well, I I mean Sarah did an excellent job of our summary. Normally, because you know, we do everything together, right? She normally tells the Avery part and then I come in and talk talk about the Marissa part. Um, so I mean, I think that, that that's that's the plot. But what it is is a lot about what you do, what you see on the on the surface is is not what it seems with both, you know, with all the characters involved. Um and I think that um you know, I think what it makes the reader really question is like, we like getting them in on, would they sign up for like a 10 session method? You know, what you put yourself in that situation. We When we've been promoting the book, we ask audiences all the time, you know, how many of you would sign up to see someone like Avery? I'm curious, ladies, how many of you would would take that, you know, opportunity? Oh, I would. Um, I mean, when I read that, I was like, I'm in. Like you're in, yeah. Right. With yeah. someone as capable as Avery, right. It might be good. Yeah. You could, you know, you don't have to waste like 10 years in therapy. So yeah, that's true. Um,
2: that's true I, but yeah. see, I feel like I'm like the
5: person that
2: always picks like <laughs> truth and truth or dare and uh, <laughs> you know, have to do anything. I say, it's very much like a big dare. So see, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't so. know.
1: I feel like I would be like, uh, okay, let's do this. I would on. totally
4: do it, too. And okay, like yes, just yes. adding on to what yes. Greer said, too, I think a lot of it is about appearances and what we project to the world and what is the truth. And I think with the, you know, the explosion of social media like that's even more so everybody looks like they're having the time of their lives. Everybody's got the perfect kids, the perfect relationship. Yes. They're having a the five star dinner. They're keep clinking glasses And a lot of people are feeling more isolated than ever. This thing that's connecting us, is making us lonely. It's making us feel inadequate. And so every, you know, our therapist peels back the layers and you see this couple that you think has everything and you're going to get to know them as intimately as if you're reading their journals from their nightstands, you're listening in on their fights. So that was really fun for us to explore is the
3: the reality. I love that. And what's in,
5: well, no, I was just gonna say what was interesting about the book too is just that the title actually came from our editor at St. Martin's and she Ooh. said, I thought of this amazing title. Nobody's used it before. Here, go. We think you, you know, I think you can really do something great with it. And so, you know, as Sarah said, so we thought of this golden couple and then who who is gonna get to know the golden couple. We couldn't just write a story about a golden couple. Who is the person? Is it a journalist? Is it, you know, a relative who is going to get to know them in that really deeply intimate way? And we love writing about therapists, you know, an anonymous girl also featured a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, let's, let's create a maverick therapist who can get to know them in this 10 session methodology.
2: Well, Greer, you actually answered the question that I was asking you. So we're having like a psychic moment here. <laughs> okay. I love um, so I, I love that idea of, you know, your editor, like having this input on this story. And so yeah. I'm so interested, you know, with you being a former editor yourself, what thoughts do you yeah. have about this editor author relationship and, um, and kind of that trust level that you yeah. have with your editor to be able to say, okay, like, yes, this is a good idea.
5: Well, you know, I did have, as an editor for so many years, I got to know many editors in the industry. And so when it came time for Sarah and I to, you know, when our book went out, we had a, you know, Sarah and I both had a list of editors that we had gotten to know over the years. And Jen was at the top of that list because I knew I'd been, you know, friends with her. I knew how smart she was. What a great, she's not just a great editor, but that she can come up with you know, the, uh, a title, marketing, publicity. She's just, she's like a triple threat of talent. Mm-hmm. And so um, I trusted her from the get-go. And I know a lot of people ask, what was it like to be edited? And I'm, inc- you know, incredibly grateful to have an editor. She's, <laughs> you know, she, she, and she's a very additive editor. So she doesn't just say this isn't working. She'll give us suggestions about what could work even better. In fact, the naming of the 10 sessions She came up with those names. She's like, the 10 sessions should have names. And she rattled them off. It's like, you know, confession, disruption. she And just, she's a genius.
2: That's incredible. Well,
5: um, Sarah, since Greer acquired
2: you and edited you in your earlier career, do you think that that's helped your partnership? Or, like, do you know what she's thinking before she...
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helped because we established a strong friendship. We didn't just have the author-editor relationship. We also had our friendship. And I would go to New York, and we would go out to a restaurant and talk for three hours, shut down the restaurant. We got kicked out of more than one restaurant. (laughs) We would say, like, we're going to take off our professional hat. We're going to put on our friend's hat. And like, what's really going on, right? Like, let's dispense with all the, again, the theme of our book, the superficial, like what, what are you struggling with? What are you happy about? What are you excited about? What are you in pain about? And we would talk about everything, kids, families, parents, you know, dreams. And so um, that I think was really the basis of starting our writing partnership, because, you know, when Greer um, came to me and said, I'm, I want to leave Simon Schuster, I feel like I really want to write. And I'm not telling anybody, I'm telling my husband, I'm telling you and you know maybe one or two other people, but that's it. You know, that was kind of the launching pad for us to write yeah. together. And without our friendship, it wouldn't have happened.
5: That's so cool. I
0: love that. I love that. Which one of you was the one, did one or the other yeah. of you say, I want to write together?
5: Sarah did. I said to her, Sarah said, I confessed to her because like, she said we had this deep friendship and I really was not telling people I wanted to write because it's a very, I mean, you guys all know, it's scary, right? Was, you know, could I do it? Would I be able to do it? And I said to Sarah, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of writing and I actually bounced an idea around to her and she's like, why don't we write a book together? It wasn't that we didn't use the idea that I suggested but she's sort of, she's very instinctive and intuitive. And I was like, she's written, she can write by herself. She's done all these amazing books alone. Why does she want to do this? She just said, I have an instinct that we can do something really great together. And I called her back 12 hours later. I was like, I'm in. I mean, like, you know, as you said in my intro, I've edited hundreds of books. I've written a couple of articles, but I've never written a book. I had no idea. So I was like, this is going to be a master class in learning how to write. Yeah.
4: I mean, it was really, I mean, I feel like we were both reaching out toward the other. Like Greer called me, you know, gave me confided in the secret and then said, you know, if I get together some pages, would you read them? You know, can I bounce ideas off you? I'm like, totally, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll switch the rules in that way. And then I was like, well, let's get out of the middle, man. Let's just write together. Like, let's and do it. And it was again, like Rear said, it was super instinctual. I occasionally have like very gut driven responses. I don't know if you guys are more analytical or more gut driven, but when I have the gut that tells me this is it, I have to go for it. And it usually, I'm almost always, when it's that strong, it steers me right. And I'm like, we will have so much fun together. And we have. That is
0: awesome and not just fun but success. I mean you've been I've been so successful
4: with with these books
0: which is fantastic. All right, so you mentioned that at the very start of the book, Marissa the wife um has been unfaithful to Matthew her husband and she feels so guilty about straying that she insists on confessing to her husband during their first therapy session. Sarah, was it difficult to make Marissa a sympathetic character given that betrayal?
4: Um, No, because I think everybody in the world is complicated. And I think none of our characters are, you know, completely, you know, black, white, all shades of gray. Like everybody has things that inform their actions, even if their actions aren't sympathetic. Once we understand them and what's driving that, we may not admire what they're doing. Like we may not have done it ourselves, but when there is understanding, then you connect with the characters. And so we really wanted you to get to know Marissa and what drove her to that moment.
1: Oh, I like that. Well, knowing her backstory and what project yeah. her would do it is different exactly. than someone just throwing it on the table. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, blowing up the blowing up the room, so to speak. <laughs> so Maria, I know yeah. that you have had a long time interest in psychology to mm-hmm. the point that you've yeah. said you'd be a therapist mm. if you weren't a writer. <gasps> I say that all the time. Um, Uh I always say that as writers we are all pretend psychoanalysts. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Right? We're teasing apart the character motive and backstory. So could you talk about the process of creating Avery, the unconventional therapist?
5: Yeah, I, I mean, and just to echo what Sarah was saying too, just about all of our characters, we have to dig in and, you know, in any of our the, you know, the villains, the you know, our, they, they, the reader always has to understand where they're coming from. So if you look at any of our characters, we feel a little bit of sympathy for all of them because something traumatic has happened to them. And I guess that is where, um, you know, the background in psychology or the interest in psychology, because Sarah is also very interested in psychology. We both listen to psychology podcasts and subscribe to oh, psychology what? today. Sarah was in a psychology experiment once. So we're both, yeah. we're both oh, more <laughs> Oh, my I was well. reading okay. in college,
4: yeah.
5: <laughs> so we're both really, you know, curious about the human mind. And that is, you know, it for us, um, our books often start with the characters and who they are. And even if something doesn't make it on the page, like, you know, that they wake up and you know weigh themselves every day and they eat seven almonds and you know whatever whatever that is you know those weird specifics we know those you know all of those details about our character and what's interesting to you, when when you asked about Marissa being sympathetic I've um, heard a lot of people who didn't find Avery sympathetic to begin with and that's something we had to, really layer in to give her more heart so that the reader understood where, where she was coming from. So for both of our characters, we had to really think about what, you know, what, what happened to them in their past, what made them, what's driving them.
1: Did you interview
5: therapists when you were, when you were. Um, well, my mother was a therapist for many years and Sarah's oh. sister-in-law is also oh, a therapist. Wow. So we both, yeah. So we spoke to, we spoke to, to both of them, but the, the the great freedom with Avery is because she lost her license. It freed us, you know. It freed us up to make her not a traditional therapist. So it, well, um, right, the the it's genius actually.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, because yes, then you know, you're not going to get those emails. Well, yes. they wouldn't actually be able to. Do to, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's the have the have old bad. You have <laughs> to know
1: the rules to break the rules, right? Now. right
2: exactly. That's exactly. 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 <laughs> Oh, that's fascinating. Well, um, I feel like the whole this whole segment has really been kind of a writing tip. But um, selfishly, we love getting writing tips from our friends who come on the show. Um, so, would you guys mind giving us a writing tip? Either
0: one of you?
4: Sure. Uh, I mean, I go ahead. Paul. I have this theory that writing is a foreign language and the translation mm-hmm. of thought to paper. Mm-hmm. Something that you have to learn by immersion. So, I um, rather than one specific tip, I could give like a million little tips that we probably all do. But I would say immerse yourself in this new country, in this language. When you're cooking, put on a co- podcast about writing. Take master classes. Read novels. Deconstruct them, you know, with index cards to to take it down, like the architecture down to the studs, and see how the novelists put it together. Think about writing, like just. Do as much as you can when you're not actually writing, so that the landscape becomes more comfortable for you.
2: amazing. Mm-hmm. We've never had that tip before in 126 episodes. That's, yes. That's yes. really great.
5: Yeah, that I, I, I like that line. Is like. Well, mine is so basic and dumb. And you obviously, since you no. all have written so many books have, d- have done this, but for me, it's just like getting your butt in the chair mm-hmm. and sitting down to write, you know, to do that every day. And like, you can't edit a blank page. So just putting yourself in there um, and creating that kind of structure, you know, having a, a writing partner creates that accountability, but for people who don't have that, They have to figure something else out. So whether it's just, you know, telling someone else that they're going to, you know, write a thousand words a day or whatever it is, but that, you know, that, that would be my, that's my very basic for the, for the novice writer, sit down. You just have to do it. Oh,
1: it's not just basic.
5: We have to tell ourselves that
1: every day, Yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, whenever we get lost, it's back to the basics and the basics are button chair. Yeah. It's fundamental, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, y'all! It's so much fun talking oh. to you. I have a lot of other guys questions. Cool. But okay.
5: <laughs> thank you. We'll Mark. have to come back. We'll have to come back. Oh, yes, yes absolutely. absolutely.
1: And I love hearing
4: that you guys are all writing the same elements. Like you know, yeah. you have your own books, but there are similar elements in it because that happens all the time. I have so many questions you guys.
1: <laughs> and names too Christy used a name and then didn't use it because Mary Kay used it picked another one and Mary Kay used that one she's like forget it I was like I can't change it again like this is so weird
4: <laughs> there's yeah. something yeah. in the air where a lot of us get like a similar idea, whatever it is and we yeah. it, it's crazy it's we that young,
1: young man you know universal unconscious flow. we're yeah. all tapping into that same river under the river yeah. And so sometimes different. come up with some of the same things. So, so but y'all are amazing. Thank I you have. for coming and spending. Thank them.
4: you. Oh, Thank so you. So good to see you too.
1: We'll see, see you bye. soon. You
0: bye. soon. Have a great bye. night. Bye. bye. All right. Next up, we are. Were they great? I, I just I adored
4: the. Oh tourism, my gosh. Right? Oh yes, yes. Really? You No, know,
2: yeah. I want to
0: talk. I mean, I have like I could ask them a million more questions, but another yeah. time. Well, I, I know that honestly. Um, you know, I first met them. Um. We had a, uh, a, an event together in Indianapolis and we get to go to this great dinner together and they're just as warm and lovely in person as you would, as, as you saw them here tonight. I mean, they're just wonderful people. So, all right. And, and I'm so sorry, Kathy, uh, Mary Kay had to miss it because I know she likes them quite a she bit. Loved she loves them. She spent the best, some time yeah. with them. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next up, we are thrilled to welcome Allison Hammer and Brady Godfrey. Two writers who have teamed up to write under the combined pen name Allie Brady. Now, you all out there have met Allison before. She's the author of You and Me and Us and Little Pieces of Me. And I have actually known her, I believe, since our college days at the University of Florida. And I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was because <laughs> it's longer than I would like to believe.
1: Um shorter than mine. So we're good.
2: <laughs> your five year your five-year reunion is coming up, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're
0: almost in our mid 20s. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, she's one of the most supportive writers I know, and I am thrilled to see her launching this new branch of her career. So Allison lives in Chicago and works as a VP creative director at an advertising agency. Now, Allison first mentioned Brady to me years ago, and I know they've basically become writing BFFs since then. And I think they even call each other that on their, um, their websites. Which I love, cause we're kind of writing BFFs too. Um, and, As we know at Friends in Fiction, writing BFFs are a wonderful thing to have. So Brady is the author of the upcoming psychological thriller, Imposter. She lives in Utah with her family and in her spare time, she works as a physician. That was a joke about spare time. (laughs) She clearly doesn't have any, but that's amazing. She works as a physician. So The Beach Trap is their first book together and it is set to hit stores in just a few days on June 14th. Sean, can you bring Allison and Brady in?
3: Hi, Hi. You I think it's been like seven years since college, Kristen. Not five.
0: Oh, seven! Right, because we're just about to turn thirty. Yes. Yes. Right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, now I don't want
2: to age you guys too much. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> my gosh, I wish I wish it had been seven years since college. <laughs> Although we've grown, we've grown. I was going to say, I don't. I don't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. Okay. Allison and Brady, can you ladies? I think we're going to do the same thing we did with um, Greer and Sarah. <laughs> Allison, can you tell us what the beach trap is about? And then Brady, we're going to ask you to tell us what the beach trap is really about.
3: <laughs> so, Allison, you want to start? I'm so happy you picked me to do the easier part of this. <laughs> <laughs> I messaged Brady. I'm like, if they ask this, you take the harder one because she's much smarter than I am. <laughs> so um, the beach trap is a twist on the parent trap. Um, only in our book, instead of the sisters trying to bring the parents back together, it is the parent trying to bring the sisters back together. So the book opens um with Kat and Blake, our sisters. They're they they meet at camp and they became they become instant best friends. And find out toward the end of that summer that they have the same father, so they're half-sisters. The discovery does not go well. It's slightly traumatic. And so they don't speak to each other for 15 years until their father passes away and leaves them this rundown beach house in Destin, Florida. And both girls have a very different relationship with their father and a very different relationship with the house. They're instantly at odds. Kat, you know, grew up at the house and wanted to, wants to keep it. Blake um, needs money to help support her grandfather so she wants to sell it. So instantly they're at odds and they spend the summer, um, you know, repairing their house and their relationship. There's a cute dog, a cute kid, and both (laughs) sisters have a love interest so there's plenty of, of, of steam and swoon also. Steam and swoon. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's so
0: great. All right. That was a fantastic description. Brady, can you tell us what the beach trap is really about at its
6: core? Yes. So the story is really about the sisters. It's the two sisters relationship. Um they they had this really instant connection when they were 12 years old. And we tried to capture that magic of summer camp and how you can become best friends with a girl that you hardly know within such a short time. And then to have it be totally ruptured when they find out they share a dad. And and one of them is, you know, the dirty little secret. Um, And so they have to repair this, and they each have to confront very different, different wounds from their dad. They each knew him as a different person. They're each grieving him in different ways, and they have to come to terms with that. There's some blame on either side toward each other. And so as they're fixing up the house, you know, of course, it's sort of symbolic of them fixing up this relationship and coming to terms with each other, learning how to be a family um, and really confronting their wounds and learning how to move on and move on together. I, I told you it. she was
3: smarter than me. <laughs> no, stop.
6: That was, That's that good, that was excellent.
1: Donkerous both. Allison. That's <laughs> donkerous. Okay, since we're really digging in tonight on author pairs, we'd love to ask you exactly, I'm dying to know this, how you met and how you decided to collaborate on a book. When we were just talking <clears throat> to Greer and Sarah, I'm thinking how nerve wracking it would be to the, be the first one to say, like asking a girl out. Do you want to write together? Because <laughs> what if we say no, right? Like then your friendship is weird because you yeah. say no. Like,
6: so, Brady, do you mind telling us the story? Sure. So we met online in a writing group, the Women's Fiction Writers Association, and I think it was in a. I mean, we just sort of got to know each other. Everybody knows Allison. Allison is incredibly outgoing and gregarious and kind to every and
1: supportive
6: and, and yes, yes. yes. So, I mean everybody yes. knows Allison um, in every group that she's in. And so, I mean, really, I just was like, thought that she was sort of like a celebrity in this group. And then we were in a, um, in like, it was like a workshop writing workshop or something where we had to read each other's pages, you know? And so we kind of read each other's stuff. I loved her writing. She loved my writing. I can't remember who, who reached out first, but one of us said, Hey, do you want to swap pages? We were both querying, trying to find agents at the time. And so can we swap pages and, and critique? And we just, loved critiquing and reading each other's work. And you know how important that is to be able to just jive in how you write and how you critique as well. Cause that's so important. Right. And so we just kept doing it. We just kept swapping pages and we became critique partners essentially. So like we formalized it and we were I'm like, I'm your only one. You're my only one. Like <laughs> don't show different. your pages <laughs> to anyone else. Was it. Going we're, we're exclusive. We're exclusive. Yeah. So we kept doing that um, for a long time. And, you know, each of us have separate writing paths. And then it was the spring of 2020 um, when everybody was just locked down. Right. We were all just home. I have kids. I was like homeschooling and Allison was working from home. And we just we were sharing book ideas one day. We chat all day long. um, All day long. And we were just sharing book ideas. And she had an idea and I had an idea. And and we were like these actually go together really well and so we started writing this book and that book did not did not end up getting published but it led us to writing the beach trap which an editor loved the idea and said please send me a proposal for this and we did and she bought it so Yay.
3: so and hearing Greer and Sarah talk was so interesting because we were Brady and I, I feel like we're intertwined in each other's writings similarly in a different way not as editor and author But there's a there's a line in um, in my second book, Little Pieces of Me, that reviewers always call out that they love that line. And Brady wrote it. So like we're all like we both edit each other's work so much. So I think that it was a natural transition because we are we were so involved in each other's writing process. So going from critique partners to co-authors, I mean, it's really been really seamless.
1: So who's the first person who said,
5: let's write a book together? I don't remember. It
3: was you. Oh, I, so I, 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 <laughs> so I, I had an idea. And again, we talk all the time. And I said, I have this idea. Is it crazy? And Brady said, not only is it not crazy, it fits together with an idea I had. What if we do this together? And I was like, I was very flattered. Like, I was <laughs> like, you'd want to write a book with me?
1: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. I, don't like I always, that. That. I always <sighs> wonder that. You know, there's there has to be a moment where somebody says, Let's try this together. Okay. Well, Allison,
7: although, need- although
1: Patty, it's funny you say that. Cause I think every time we talk about how friends and fiction
0: got started, we don't have a clear idea of who said what or how it actually mm-hmm. got off the ground. Like it just, it felt like groupthink from the yeah. first moment because it's, we fit so well together. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think none of us, and I bet you it's the same with Ali and uh, Allison and Brady. I Like, I don't think we think of ideas as, well, that was my idea. That was your idea. It was just, yep. it was our idea and it worked. And like, how great, right? Except, Except what, I'm, what I'm extremely
2: clear on is that we all wanted to write an anthology <laughs> and one of us not present on the screen did not think that was a good idea
5: <laughs> that is true For those of you who she'll don't know mary
2: Kay is
1: really big with that no no
0: no yeah she, yeah she, she shuts us down like nope, like, nope. also, also nope. i know speaking of mary Kay, I know some of you out there missed the beginning of the show tonight because we had a little bit of facebook um trouble in the beginning uh if that's the case and you're wondering where mary Kay is um she's a, a, a minor case of covid so she's not with us tonight but she's
1: fine she'll be back next week sorry go on. <laughs> We're sending her all good yep. healing yep. love. All right, Allison, I know you are the founder of Every Damn Day Writers, So <laughs> yes. great. a support group for women's writers. So you're no stranger to working with other authors. Can you talk to us a bit about
3: exactly why you started Every Damn Day? Yeah, we, so um, Brady and I and was in this group also, there was a group of us from Women's Fiction Writers Association, who are all doing Nano together, which is National Novels Writers National Novel Writing Month, um, which is an international program where writers all around the world write fifty thousand words in the month of November, and a group of us were doing it together and. I'm a nerd with all these just different like Facebook graphics and I was doing a daily post. We created a little support group and every day I would post and everyone would check in about their progress and how well they were doing, what their challenges were. And it was a really great support community. And on December 1st, when it was over, we were like, we don't want to stop. And so that group is still in existence. It's about 20 writers and we're all very, very close. And there was a point where we were like, you know, let's make that broader let's like, this is such a magic, th- magical thing we've created. Let's invite others in. We wanted to keep our group like, um you know, separate because we've got this great, you know, this really tight friendship. Um, but we're up to, I think, over 750 women writers in every damn day writers. And we've got awesome. seven different moderators. And every day um, we share a post um, to check in on Wednesdays, we share lines of what we're working on. Mondays, we share goals. And it's really just you know, writing like Kristen, you said, writing can be such a solitary sport, but it's not like there's such a community if you, if you get out there. And so, um, really we just wanted to create a community.
1: So not you're just creating a community with the two of you, but you've taken it wider. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you actually co-write a book? (laughs) Like (laughs) what is your process for doing that?
6: Do you divide the characters, the pages, the chapters? Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. So, we plot extensively. You have to plot extensively when, when you write with someone else. So, detail okay, outline. Our, our, we, turned, we gave her like a hundred page outline, right? It was ridiculous. She was like, This is the longest proposal I've ever read. And <laughs> got it. So, <laughs> but, um, and then we in, in The Beast Trap, there's two main characters, they each alternate chapters. So, we each took the lead on writing one character. But then, so every, usually every week we write one chapter and then we swap it. And The next week we critique each other's and edit each other. So there is you know, one of okay. us crafting, the other one's editing. And we just keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth as we revise, revise, revise. And sometimes someone will say, this doesn't sound like this character's voice to me. And they'll make a suggestion and we just keep going and going and going. The goal is for it to just sound like it was written by one person.
3: We, um we, we've said it a couple times, I like it being a little secret. I love, there's nothing I love more than getting texts from people who know me who's like, that are like, did you write cat? Wait, you wrote Blake, you wrote cat. <laughs> and some friends have said they've seen, friends of mine have said that they've seen pieces of me in both characters. And Brady has friends who've seen the same, who've said the same, that they've That's seen pieces of her. And so it's really great because we edit each other so much and we edit um, the chapters. So it really is co-written in every sense of the word.
1: That's awesome. So you're not going to tell us who's who?
3: We can tell if people want to know. I think it's fun to like, I love the mystery of it. You can keep <laughs> it as yeah. yeah. We're good with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, Well, Allison, like Kristen mentioned, we've had you on the show before to talk about your books, You and Me and Us and Little Pieces of Me, which are very emotional women's fiction stories about family and loss. Our friend Colleen Oakley describes Little Pieces of Me as a gorgeous, heartbreaking, yet hopeful story. And Brady, you have a debut novel coming out in September called Imposter, which is a psychological thriller that Mary Kubica describes as spine-chillingly, jaw-droppingly good. For both of you, the beach travel. so can you talk about what made the two of you decide to write a book in a completely different genre um so maybe brady if you would take that part what made you decide to write in a different genre and then allison were there challenges in that shift for you guys
6: yeah so i'm a huge reader i love reading and the two genres that i read the most of are probably you know, women's fiction, especially romantic women's fiction, um, where there's a combination of sort of like family dynamics and love, that type of thing. And I like thrillers. So I get my thriller fix with what I'm writing on my own, but there really has been a part of me that just, I want to write about like sisters and their relationship with their mom and love stories and all of that. And so honestly, to me, it, it's like two sides of my brain. And I just really mm-hmm. like it. It just sort of like scratches the itch um, on both sides. And so it's perfect. I love it. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah.
3: And her her thriller imposter is so good, and there's also sisters in it. So like I think that there are, you know, I think at the core there are similarities of of the stories and of you know like the, her writing that comes through. For me, I don't think it was as much of a departure for me because I do write, you know, my kind of tagline for myself, um, my solo books is stories about family, friendship, loss and love. And all those things are here. But with The Beach Trap, it's a little bit different, um, you know, also just because from writing with Brady, she brings her her, um, you know, creativity to it. It's definitely more romantic. In my books, it's closed door. And Brady will deny this, but we were not going to do open door in this book. But she wrote the sex scene for her character first. And I was like, well, I can't. You just gave it away. (laughs) No, no, you did. Open door. It's open door steam. And Brady is so good at the steam. She can, I always say, she can make, like, sitting on the couch watching TV, like, super sexy. Um, (laughs) So since she did it, I had to go there. So I think that that's probably the biggest difference between Allison Hammer books and Allison and Allie Brady um, is the, is the steam we, you know, we talk a lot about where it fits in genre wise and, you know, it's not a romance. It's not women's fiction, but if you're a romance reader, there are two romances for the price of one. So yeah. there's a little bit of everything in it.
0: That is awesome.
3: All right. So, um,
0: So, ladies, a lot of our viewers are aspiring writers, and and I know both of you um, have done so much to reach out to other writers, to lift them up, to, you know, to build this community, as we were talking about earlier. Um, But you both, as we mentioned in the introduction, are also juggling full-time careers, and they're busy full-time. I mean, they're busy careers, right? Like, you're not they're busy careers that require your brain and require lots of time and all of that. Yet you have not only written these solo books, but you found time to collaborate on this book. Can you talk a little bit about how you each carve writing time out of such a busy life? Um, Allison, do you want to start?
3: Well, I'm not at the moment. I mean, I think that it's really hard and I was, I was having some conversations my debut, You and Me and Us, is a lot about that work-life balance. And so I was having a lot of conversations around that time with other people who work in advertising, other women who work in advertising in balance. You know, I don't have kids. I tease. I don't have kids, pets, or plants. So writing is like that that other thing in my life. Um, but I think that, like, the idea of balance doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I think that, great. you know, someone pointed this out that it's almost like a seesaw. Like sometimes like writing needs to be more and sometimes work needs to be more. Ooh. What the problem is sometimes they both need to be more like right now I've had a really busy um, month at work and then we're getting ready to turn in our second book. So they're when they're both really busy, Um, you know, but part of ha- the great thing about having a partnership is Brady has been amazing this month and really picked up my slack when I have not been able to do some things. And so there's a level of wanting to be accountable for each other, but also helping each other because you have that same goal. Um, So easier said than done in general, when things are normal, um, I write in the evenings and the weekends, um, but balance is not always possible.
0: (laughs) Well, Hey, I, I hear you. I think we're all that way. Life is busy. How about, how about you, Brady?
6: You know, I think one of the things that Allison and I have in common, we have many things in common, but one is that we are both we're pretty high-intensity people, and we like to jam our lives full of things. I mean, really, I just I don't like having spare time to think about anything. I don't want to have any spare brain space. I want it all packed with, with family, my kids, work. Um, I and so I I'm similar to Allison. I, I often will write in the evenings, like when it's you know bedtime for the kids. I just head up to my to my office and just write. Um, for a long time, I worked part time, and so you know then on the days I didn't work, I would write when my kids napped um you know like a lot of moms um right now I'm full-time I might go back to part-time again in the future I don't know but I think it's really just the thing that's nice about writing is you can do a lot of preparatory stuff in your mind as you're like driving around I mean I do a lot of thinking and you're taking a shower I'll I'll send Allison text and say I had shower thoughts and <laughs> so you can do a lot of thinking and then when you get ready to sit down and write it can it can pour out which is nice.
3: And we're really close, but you don't text me in the shower. You text me after you you get out of the shower. An important distinction,
2: especially for your phone. But we're getting ready to
3: go out on a two week book tour. So you never know by the end of it. I know, right? There you go.
0: (laughs) I love you said we're not that close yet. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. Okay. Quickly before you go, Allison, we have a question from a viewer saying, um, Lisa Morgan Cass saying, uh, if aspiring women writers to be can join every damn day.
3: Absolutely. It is open to any writer who identifies as a woman um, and I'll post the link to the group in the comments.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, ladies. It was so nice to have you with us tonight. Um, It's a fantastic book. We love that it comes from your own friendship and we just appreciate that you were here. So The Beach Trap, we hope everyone buys it next week.
3: Thank you you for having us. Thank you so much. Bye ladies.
2: Thank you you for joining us. Okay, we know a lot of you have been waiting on the edge of your seat for these next two authors. Of course, Mary Alice Monroe was one of the five founding authors of Friends of Fiction back in 2020. Um, And she has been busy writing both on her own and with her writing partner, Angela May. Mary Alice and Angela have been working together for more than a decade now. Angela began as Mary Alice's assistant, but now they write together, which is just an amazing thing to see. So last summer's The Islanders, a middle grade novel, was their first book together. And Mary Alice, of course, is the New York Times bestselling author of 27 books, including The Summer of Lost and Found, which was an instant New York Times bestseller in 2021. She's earned numerous accolades and awards, including induction into the South Carolina Academy of Authors Hall of Fame. And as you all know, Mary Alice is an active conservationist and is proud to be a 20-year-plus state-certified volunteer with the Island Turtle Team. Angela is a former award-winning television news journalist and the founder of May Media and PR. She and her husband live with their two children in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and Mary Alice and Angela's new novel for middle-grade readers, Search for Treasure, um, which is a sequel to The Islanders, is set to be released on June 14th. So, Sean, can you bring Mary Alice and Angela on? Hi! Hi. It's so nice to be back. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here. This is such a treat to see Thank you. Um, so, okay, ladies. I know you've been listening backstage, so you might yes. be anticipating this question. Um, but can you start out, Angela? Can you tell us what the search for treasure, what search for treasure is about? And Mary Alice, can you tell us what it's really about?
4: (laughs) Okay. I'm glad this is the order.
7: (laughs) (laughs) We knew. We knew. So it starts off with it's going to be the best summer ever, right? Jake is returning to the island where his grandmother lives off the coast of South Carolina. He's ready to reunite with his best friends. He's had a really tough year at home, adjusting to a new normal with his family after his father's injury. And as soon as he gets to the island and reunites with everyone, He sees the news that somebody, an older resident named Scary Harry, has discovered a gold coin, a gold doubloon. And he's like, I want to find treasure. There's buried treasure on the island. so Operation Treasure Hunt begins, and it is a summer of wild adventures. (laughs)
1: a gold to bloom just like in the bottom of the shipwreck
8: well (laughs) y'all from the south you know that every child in the southeast who knows about blackbeard's treasure and they know it's there somewhere so we all every every child's looking for that gold somewhere
2: (laughs) so mary alice what's it really about i think it's,
8: it's all in the title search for treasure These kids, it's middle grade, and these are tough years for kids. You know, they—they what other people think about them is so important. And in one of the things I love about middle grade is that you still have really tough issues. So you have the the father son relationship. You know, he's what's the new normal with a prosthetic, being embarrassed about that. You know, his dad. Um, You have the relationship with a, a, a boy and his family. He's nudged out by the new baby and a little girl nervous about her dad in prison so you have all these and of course the budding aging they're 12 now so lovey likes the boy just a little bit we're just nudging into that kind of relationship <laughs> so they have all these adventures and there's a sense of other but at the end ultimately it's finding that they really are the the best friends, the treasures themselves and finding in their family what matters. Yeah. And I think that's so important at this age. What matters? Because everything's so superficial. Everything, you know, I know my grandkids are on TikTok and <laughs> that's just a whole world that I don't understand, but it's all superficial. Yeah. So we're trying to bring them back to what's
4: real. That. Yeah, that's it. that's awesome.
8: And Big L. I think the story's really about
1: Big L.
7: <laughs> yeah, it's like really about an
1: alligator.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the number one question we get asked when we go and speak to students at schools,
8: Mary Alice. It's true. What is he real? And oh, how big yeah. is Big L? Well, he's seven feet long. That's big.
0: <laughs> oh, that's kidding. awesome. <laughs> All right, ladies. As Christy mentioned in the intro, and as we of course know, you two have worked together for years, right? I mean, so and you were you were working together in other ways before you were writing together. So I'm wondering, first of all, whose idea was it initially to write together? Mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I Tell was us asked about
8: how that came about. It yeah, it was um. I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to write from this age group, but, you know, we've got our novels every year. You know how that is, girls. So it wasn't until I was asked to write um, a lead series and it, would I do it? And I said instantly, yes. But I knew it was a big job it was yeah. new for me and i'd never collaborated with an author before and i had been working with angela for 10 years and you know when you work for, with someone that long and she does a lot of not writing of my novels but has done writing she's a journalist she has that background and i just wondered you know we we like the same things we we work well together and i just said angela do you ever think you'd be interested in writing a middle grade book and then angela said, what
7: So that was one of the easiest yeses in my life. It came totally out of left field. I had, you know, and I know I've said this to you before, Mary Alice, that I had always quietly wanted to be a writer. And I had been a writer, just using words in a different way, right? Through Mm. my career as a journalist and a media specialist. So when this opportunity came about, I was blown away and, and she had spoken out loud the thing that I had only quietly said to my husband once before, like if I could do anything in the world and money didn't matter, I'd write children's books. And the funny thing is, is I feel like at least for me personally and my faith that like, you know, you might have your own ideas of what you think the good Lord wants you to do, but then he shows <laughs> you something totally different. And I never thought middle yeah. grade. I thought picture books. And I love yeah. writing for middle grade with you, Mary Alice. It's so I know.
8: much and fun. I, what I love about this whole thing is that even though we're working together, the serendipity of I didn't know if she wanted to do it. And it just happened. And that's, when that happens, that's serendipity at its best. Yeah, that's true. And what if she would have gone, shiff. Well, I'd have <laughs> I'd probably still writing draft one.
1: I know, right? <laughs> right. All right. When Mary Alice, I know when you began writing Search for Treasure, part of it grew from your great love of Dewey's Island and your island on Isle of Palms and and the beach and the belief that kids need. We talk about this a lot with Mm. our grandkids, too. They need to be reunited with nature in this tech-filled world. Mm. Did you go into the process knowing this would be a series or was that something that evolved as the process went on?
8: It was designed as a series. In fact, it's it one was, of the okay. reasons I chose the publisher I did is because it wasn't, it was never in my mind a one book. And mm-hmm. so I knew um, that whole idea of what we, I did for adults, you know, bringing nature in through stories, I wanted to do for kids because this is their world coming. This is You know, I I have a lot to say, and so does Angela, to this new generation. And they're so great. This is a can-do. They believe they can change the world. I just love this age. When we started, though, it was with the idea that this was one book, an entity unto itself. We knew we were going to have a series, especially with the father's injury. You know, he, he was sick. He lost his leg in the Islanders. In book two, we knew we would deal with how our father and son worked that relationship out but we really it wasn't in the in our mind when we wrote book one right angela we have got to do it. one book at
1: a time so each and then let it so you just kind of let this story grow from the story you already wrote you didn't plan out this series you said now that this has happened we've got not more a, how it went yeah a little bit though a little bit you know it's like I mean, I, go ahead
7: well, I was going to say, don't you think that as we took all of those scenes from book one, and y- y'all probably experienced this too, you you stuff your storyline full and you realize, okay, things have to go on the cutting room floor, right? Yeah. And so you just say, oh, we're saving a little bit of that for the next book. So right. as you're working on book one, it's almost like at least little parts are bubbling and sprouting for book two in yeah. your mind. I love and, that. and it was yeah. nice that you know, book one lays the tracks for you, right? Yeah. And so now you just have to piece your train together to follow that right path. And so yeah. I mean, it's not to yeah. say book two is totally easy, but it's nice mm-hmm. to have parameters, right? Yeah.
1: Well, you have your characters, you have your setting, mm-hmm. you have your people. Mm-hmm. Angela, can you say anything about the next book?
5: Because you're going to no. keep going, right? <sighs>
8: yeah. Yes. I mean, you're talking about Search for Treasure and then the third one. Yes. That Okay. okay.
7: Yes. Yeah. So we are so excited to say that the story will continue into a book 3. Oh, that's um, so great. Yes. So the the details that we can say right now, at least this is how I would summarize it. I'm curious to see how you would, Mary Alice. What's your elevator pitch? I would say <laughs> an ordinary quick little outing out on the water turns into a emergency situation that forces Ooh. three friends to rely on their wits and their strength and each other to survive. Uh-huh. And
8: that's really nice about watching these kids grow up. You know, they're they started at eleven, and now they're twelve, and they're going mm-hmm. to be twelve in the next book too. And this is a big question you don't have. Like when I wrote the Beach House series, you know, that was twenty years, and Kara went from forty to sixty. And yet, in <laughs> middle grade, I don't know. We haven't decided yet. Are they going to be twelve years old forever? Or, you know, lost in the woods. Know, <laughs> yeah. Or do we let them grow up? And it's really cute because when you ask the kids in the audience, that age group says, oh, let them grow up because they want to oh. stay with them. Oh, uh, yeah. But then that gets into YA. So I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do, what we're going to do. It's 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 a question to be answered in the well, future.
1: Well, young kids come up under them. I mean. Well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's so true.
2: Um, Okay, so before I ask this this question, um, so Angela, you know, obviously you've been co-writing with Mary Alice and that has been extremely successful. You guys have written these amazing books and they've been so, so successful. Um, Are you considering branching
7: out and writing on your own? I would love to continue to stay um, in this world of writing. Um, I feel like this is such a wonderful opportunity and I've learned so much. So yes, I am also quietly working on something just my own to see what does that voice sound like, you know, and yeah. to Love force that. myself, yeah. like y'all were saying earlier in the show, to show up every single right. day, but in chair and force that story out on paper. So and
8: I think that's what's really, it. I think that's what's cool yeah. about Angela and my relationship. Um, first of all, we bring to the story different points of view from age you know, I wrote the book for my grandchildren. And she wrote the book for her children. So that point of view really made the book better. But I'm, I'm also an adult novelist and I'm working on my adult novels. And I am so thrilled and excited to see Angela move forward on her own. You know, this, yeah. is, this is sort of a, a hope for her that I'd love to see. It's a mentoring process at this point in my career as well.
2: Yeah. So, um, Mary Alice, I'm going to toss this question to you, too, in just a second. Um, but, Angela, what have you learned from this co-writing experience that you think you can, you know, bring forward into your solo writing?
7: I have learned to book one was mm-hmm. slow. We were feeling our, our way through all of this. And we were also writing in a way that we were she was working on her adult fiction I was doing my PR work still. And so it was squeezing it in book two, we had to write fast. And I think that this experience has taught me to just push hard and push fast. So, and I like that. So that's what what I have learned. And she's also taught me so much about the art of storytelling. You know, when you're just a reader, You see books as like, oh, that was so wonderful and and memorable. And you don't want to leave that story world. And sometimes you kind of don't understand why you loved X book, right, over something else. But I've learned some of those elements. Mary Alice is not only a great co-author and a great friend, but a really good teacher and patient.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How many times did you
7: say when we were working on book one, Quit writing like a journalist. let <laughs> <laughs> say, show, Use not your tell, <laughs> <laughs> That's really
8: so true. It, there is a difference. And it was interesting to hear the different earlier writers. That um, one writer, I think it was it Brady, who said that they did extensive outlining. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing we did learn. That's different for me. I outline anyway, but when I work with Angela, because it's two authors coming together, the outline is critical. So we spend so much time brainstorming to get everything and the whole story and then chapter one, chapter two, in a much more linear form than I would for writing for myself in a novel, because I'm writing with another person and we send it back and forth. So I I think listening to Brady say that too makes me realize it probably is not unusual for for co-authors to do that.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. Um, well, guys, oh my goodness, I have had so much fun. We've all had so much fun having you on the show and getting to see you. We're so excited about this book. We I know we all just got our coffees and we were so thrilled. And um, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to I'm going to start reading mine with a little Will. Tonight. So I'm I so was going to say
8: that's it, Christy. Yes. That's the, my hope is that people read it with their or yeah. child. Yeah. Well, I love I on. love stories
2: like this because it's hard to find things that he's interested in, but. That i'm also interested in and he's obviously yeah. old enough that he's 10 so if he's reading on his own he can read anything he wants yeah. to but it's still nice to have that little time where we can sit down yeah. and read something together um but something that we both enjoy is like really hard to find so um, so thank you all for providing that that's a wonderful I'm glad. <laughs> um and so ladies um mary alice we were gonna see if you would maybe stick around for all time's sure. sake just for one final question, um, and Angela, we just want to say congratulations. We're so excited. And um, we will you. be cheering for you guys next week.
7: Thank Yay. you. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun seeing all of you. And thanks for and having me. And I you know both on. of
1: you are on the road, some together. And some separately. So we can find those on your websites, right? Oh, thanks, Patty. Yes. um, We're dividing and conquering. We are, I'm on
8: mine and I started in Angela. So it's going to be kind of fun. We do some together.
1: Yeah,
7: mm-hmm.
8: the aquarium launch is always the most fun. But- awesome. Yeah, so
7: we'll be together next week at the beginning yeah. of the week, and then she goes north, I go south. You're coming down <laughs> yes. here. It's so, going to be fun. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna going to be in. That's I'm going to see her. Yeah, yeah. Awesome.
1: I'm. Sorry. I'm sorry. I I, mean, I know.
2: That's like one of the the great things I hadn't thought about about co authoring is you can divide and conquer on it. That's time. awesome. We're <laughs> missing out on on. A Oh, have
8: to ask
1: the other authors. Do they go separately, or do they always stay together? Yeah, it looks like they always stay together on tour. Hmm. Well, Al- Allison and Brady, of course, are writing as one person, so I can't imagine oh, yeah. they would split. But I wonder yeah. about Sarah and Anna. not sure. I don't
7: yeah.
8: Know yeah, this is the first time we've done it, so it'll we'll let you know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be fun.
7: <laughs> and Kristen, I'm gonna be in Florida, but I'm not getting all the way down to where you're oh, located. So well, I'll look, I'll look at let, your tour schedule. Charting,
0: though. <laughs> oh well, it's a few hours, but maybe. All right, I'll take a look. All right. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Great to see you guys. Right. Thanks for having me Thanks, on. Thanks, Angela. Angela, you're, you're Angela. such a treasure. You are, <laughs> thank you. You are.
1: You are. Okay, before we get to our final question for Mary Alice, just a quick reminder of our Writer's Block podcasts. We know we usually let Mary Kay do this part because she likes to talk about dropping, but I'm going <laughs> to do it tonight. So we always post links on links under announcements each time a new one drops. A new episode drops each Friday. On the last episode that came out um, a few days ago, Ron and Meg joined our podcast to talk to Carter Bays. He is the developer and writer of that huge TV show, How I Met Your Mother. And he has a new novel called The Mutual Friend. Y'all, it is such a fun listen. Um, then coming out on Friday in a couple days, Ron and I talked to Liz Mikowski about her new dark reimagining of Peter Pan in her book, Darling Girl. Y'all, this conversation. Was so crazy fascinating because we took a really deep dive into the backstory of Peter Pan's author J. M. Barrie and mm. how it all started.
0: Oh, I cannot wait to listen to that. I know that's up
1: Mary Alice's alley.
4: Too.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. My
4: heart
1: did a little flutter on there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. She had Mary Alice, she had so, and I'm, I bet you already know it, but all these interesting, the backstory of the author and yeah. Peter Pan was originally a minor character in a different story. That's crazy.
0: That I didn't know.
3: Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh,
1: interesting.
3: Oh, I can't wow. wait to listen
0: into that. Anyway, sorry. All Not right. so the tangent. No, okay. it sounds so great. And you know, Ron, Ron is doing such a good job with the podcast. So I'm so excited. Yep. It just keeps getting better and better. All right. Yep. So we know many of you out there have been participating in our very first Friends in Fiction Reading Challenge. So this month for June, we are encouraging you to read a book from the book clubs, such as Reese Witherspoon's book club jenna bush haker's book club the good morning america book club whatever um well, of course yeah and of course you know our friend anisa joy armstrong who's very active with this challenge is also very active with jenna bush haker's uh book club so um so that's a kind of great tie-in with her so if you were looking for a way to keep track of those books. And your other reading, we would love to recommend, as always, our beautiful reading journal at Oxford Exchange, which, um, which also includes quotes from Mary Alice. So it's uh, it's like a little throwback to the founding of Friends in Fiction. So make sure That's to tell it. us all about what you're reading. We love seeing your posts on the page.
2: The Friends of Fiction Official Book Club is having a blast. And if you're not there, then you are missing out. The group, which is separate from us and run by our friends Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, is now more than 12,000 strong. So join them on June 20th when they will be discussing Mary Kay Andrews' new novel, The Homewreckers.
8: 12,000. Sure, wow. Yeah, I it, it, they are Fabulous. doing
0: such an amazing job. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. We're so, so happy for them and so grateful for them. So everyone out there, make sure to join us for our next episode of friends and fiction next Wednesday, right here at seven o'clock Eastern, where we will welcome Emily Giffen and Harlan Coben with Kate, win on the after show if you're ever wondering about our schedule it's always on the friends and fiction website and on the header graphic on our facebook page
2: and i think we're going to do the cover reveal for summer of songbirds too. oh are we I really think, fun i'm so excited <laughs> i think i think we talked about that so i hope that's yes, okay yeah, of <laughs> everyone
8: loves cover reveals so that's really cover great. reveals are the best <laughs> a yes.
2: it's a good cover i can't wait for everybody to see it. that's going to be a really epic show
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh! Right. It really is. is. What's going on?
2: Like tonight, just star packed.
1: Star packed. Um, Before we get to the last question, Marielle, somebody just sent in a comment, and I love this. I have two to read, actually. Carolyn Clement McDonough says, "I'm doing The Islanders as a read aloud with my fourth grade English learners, and they are loving it." I, like you, I am planning on getting the search for treasure soon. Aww.
8: Thank you. And there's so many teachers who are doing that. We get packets of letters, ladies, Aww. from all the kids who have written to us from the classrooms. I, I mean,
1: uh, so satisfying. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. it really
8: is. So I'm and so Sarah grateful. Grady
1: sent Meg a letter today that says, I plan on writing in on the show tonight, but I wanted to share a positive story regarding ma'am's. Mary Alice Munro's middle grade book, The Islander. She said, I wrote a grant to get one book for each of my 106th grade students this year. And I had to fight like H-E double hockey sticks. (laughs) Such a nerd. To get my school district administrator and department chair to allow me to read literature. Out of 100 students, most, most of which were reluctant readers and are reading on at least the first to second grade level, became hooked on reading literature after reading this book, Mary Alice. It inspired a room full of students to read this summer. They laughed, they cried, and we had a fantastic book club discussion at the close of each chapter. So many life lessons. Thank you for all you do, Mary Alice. Oh, Uh thank you for
8: reading that. That was so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean... I just am overwhelmed, thank you, thank you. Okay,
1: now a question. Now you know this <laughs> I'm like blown away, I'll try and answer no, Okay, well you know this question because you've asked it of our guests before and it's the one we like to ask every week and they notice when we skip it and I don't think we've ever asked you. What were the values around reading and writing when you were growing up? Because I think I remember a really great story about a journal your mom found that got you. Oh, no. Patty! You don't tell that
8: story. (laughs) I think it's a great one. Oh, my God. Well, that's why I don't journal a lot. Actually, Okay. I have two things. One is I come from 10 kids and my mom and dad. And so it wasn't so much that my mother and dad, they were very in much in the arts, but we kids, you know, there was no TV, internet. There wasn't a lot of TV back then, internet, nothing. So we read a lot, but we also created our own shows we made musicals and my a lot of my some of my sisters are artists so they would paint some more musicians they play music i would usually write the plays and we put on these extravaganzas so storytelling was always a really big part of our lives as far as journaling, I also had very strict parents, which is why we did all the stuff inside our homes and we didn't get out much. So there was a year when all the kids were going out and sneaking out, crawling out the windows at about 10 o'clock and meeting at the gas station. And so it was the eighth grade summer. So I, I told my girlfriend from across the street and I put um, a string on my finger. I held it. I literally slept with my hand out hanging out the window and she never came. I was so disappointed. I made up a story in my diary of what I did, and where I who I saw, and God only knows what I said. But my mother read it in my diary, and she and I she she called me out on it. And I'm like, Mama, I made it up. It's all story. She, I guess, I was a good writer because she <laughs> you don't didn't leave you. believe me. She called up the parents of all the kids I named in the diary. How do I not I, know this story? I had three of them. I was, the, uh, oh my gosh, I was just on oh justified. I, I, was, I was, you know, middle school girls can get really mean. And I was, um, all, they all got in trouble. So oh I've never God, wrote yes. a diary again in my life. I guess oh, not. My goodness. When I, oh, a yeah, I when I was 13, my mother absolutely believed it was
2: true. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. My gosh. What well, a great, great story, story to end on. Thank you yes. for that. That's I amazing. do
8: write journals.
4: I do encourage
2: journaling.
4: <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, <laughs> just don't make stuff up. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <you're> <laughs> saying, like, Mom, if you're <laughs> reading this, it's not true. <laughs> it's a awesome. story. So hilarious.
2: Oh, it is. Uh, it's so much fun to laugh with you all again. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, thank you Mary Alice for coming back tonight to chat with us. We are so excited about your new release and thank just you. proud of you for this new, you know, journey that you're on and trying something new and different that's been so successful. Um so thank you for being here. Well, y'all so are much with fun. Me.
4: You yeah. all were
8: with me when we found out the book came out in number two, and it was—I did never expected the book to be this successful. That was unbelievable. So that was we a fun a good night. We had some good champagne. I
1: with me, yeah. yeah I was <laughs> gonna say we had some good champagne with Black Kristen. I know. First skin, skin, was that champagne?
2: No I, <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I, I, baby, but I wasn't here. <laughs> wasn't no, we were yeah. all about that good. Yeah. and I went up to the bar, and I was like, "I need your best."
8: Champagne! Did just you? Is that off? what happened? Uh, I just remember popping champagne. I was so stunned. Oh, that was You were no, good for you. You really
2: were. You were so stunned. It was really exciting. It was fun. It was, it was exciting. Well, it was so fun tonight to chat with these three incredible writing teams. And don't forget, you guys, you can find our back episodes on YouTube or rewatch this one. Um, We're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. So be sure to come back next week. Same time, same place as we welcome Emily Giffen and Harlan Coben and Kate Quinn and the cover for the Summer of Songbirds. And what a great show. That's what a night it's going to be. Yes. Thanks again, Mary Alice. And good night. Thank
4: you. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.
4: Produced by Vita Studios.
7: Connect your voice to
4: the world.